0: if you visit detroit if you are from detroit or if you live in detroit you never knew all this culture was alive and thriving here this is the detroit is different festival october 24th through october 27th join us at the inaugural detroit is different festival at the andy arts 3000 finkel avenue detroit michigan 48238 visit www.detroitisdifferent dot com and get your tickets today you're listening to the josh adams podcast on the detroit is different after dark podcast network
1: yes yes after dark i'm a different guy right now
2: What up, though? What's up,
3: though? You know what I'm saying? Poet, (laughs) uh, writer, author, uh,
2: Oprah's best friend
1: outside of (laughs) Gail, Right, right, right. Um, I'm over here overlooking the view over here of Korea Town, and I'm just
2: seeing all types of just the views. And, like, what's up, man? (laughs) What's good, bro, man? It's so good to have y'all brothers out here, man. Oh man, <laughs> no nah, man. You know, it's one of the things that's always been important to me is like staying true to where I started and the people supported me in the beginning. So, literally, every time somebody from the D come out here, I make sure to connect. You know, if I know, at least if I know they're in town, connect, break bread, just spend some time, man, because it ain't nothing like the hometown. You know what I
3: mean? So, I honey. I was like, man, I
2: got
1: this one. It's real talk. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: mm-hmm. Man, man Everybody can't come out here and holler You know what I'm saying? No real talk no, you... you know, security around here is serious <laughs> They got a mole They got a random scan to get in Got things <laughs> Got to make it official, baby No, 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 I'm shocked. I mean, okay I know you're tired. you tired talk about that book You talk about the uniform uh, nah. and stuff like that all the time Yeah But let's just go back to how it
3: all started Because I remember I met you in <laughs> TED Talk
2: yeah, so you you met me a couple of years after I'd been home, and and, and and yeah. Yeah, that changed the game. It was a game changer for sure. You know, um, I was actually I've been I've been in a reflective mood, man. I'm coming up on I'm um, ten months from being ten years home. You know what I mean? So, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm just literally been in the last few days just kind of sitting in what that means. You know, what I'm saying what the journey been like, and just kind of thinking about where I started, man. Selling books out the trunk. You know what I'm saying? I remember being. Lily at the strip clubs with a book stand set up. You know what I'm saying? Nightclubs. They say poetry, open mic. Uh, and the city really, you know, went hard for me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. They was yeah, def- was Man, look, bro. It was crazy, though. Because I'm like, I'm literally just coming home. And I'm like, you know, I had a mission. You know, I, I was following how rappers move. You know, I thought about how 50 Cent and Master P, how they started, you know, Too Short, going all the way back to Too Short. You know, so, yeah, E40 and them out the trunk. And so I was just like, I got to go where the people at, you know what I'm saying? So it was everywhere. I mean, hair salons, barbershop, you know, skating rink, it didn't matter. Anywhere they let me set up to sell books, I was there, you know what I mean? And so it was dope, man. Even, even you know, the sisters who was in the club doing what they do and, and, and hustling, they would always just stop and build with a brother, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So it's mad love for the clubs and the D and, you know, the people in the D. That's,
3: that's crazy. Rest like damn, copy this book, like, you know, to, to come like what's the book about, nigga, you know what I'm saying? Right? But uh so outside of number books and doing all that other stuff in the in the Ted talks,
2: like where did that take you? Like I remember like you you had a Ted talk hit a million. Yeah, yeah, so I so I got I did I started off with like Ted X's first though, which was like kinda like, you know, if you wanna think of it from the perspective of like basketball, right? So you got the NBA, which is mm-hmm. obviously Ted, that's the big platform, but you know, the the D League or something, you know, that's kinda like what Ted Ted X is all right. So it's kinda an entry point and starting there, like I, I you know, the first time I did a major talk was actually before TEDx. X was Personal Democracy Forum. And like I didn't even know that there was a, a specific way to to do these things until they was like, Oh, you got twelve minutes to tell your story and figure out the story arc. So what that did for me, man, is it really allowed me to professionalize my storytelling and to really help people uh, grasp onto the major points and and so what you know ted itself you know having that kind of stamp as a you know um subject matter expert mm-hmm. you know that definitely enhanced my uh cut the fat. yeah absolutely yeah yeah to to the, like, to and this and this is a serious skill set i mean like that that platform's been in existence for over thirty years you know yeah and this, yeah. And, you know Yeah, it's kind of started hitting our our markets, uh, you know, due to social media. You know, now we got the ability to share content for, for years. It was just kind of, like, closed off. I mean, when I first got invited, it was like, I'm going to speak to Ted. I'm like, I'm thinking about the little teddy bear joint. Like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, yo, yeah. I'm like, how you going to be up in the D, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But, uh, I mean, it's been a great platform in terms of what it's done for criminal justice in general. Like, you know, before before me, there was no... Body who had been convicted of a violent crime who was speaking on these major platforms. You know, prior to me, it was kind of like people who had been exonerated or uh, people who've been labeled as non violent offenders for like drug trafficking. Uh, so, so, to be a pioneer in the space of really talking about what second chances look like, like that TED talk actually helped with that. And then, you know, doing the, the Super Soul Sunday with Oprah kind of made it more mainstream on a whole different level. <laughs> man, that was crazy! Shout out to Snickers, man. That was that was a legendary night, bro. Like that, that, yeah that 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 night there, man. Um, you know, it's one of those moments. Yeah, it's one of those moments where you know you never forget how much the city supported what I did. You know, and you know we didn't know what kind of turnout to expect. We just knew the people was gonna come out and rock with us. And so to be able to do it, what what was the dopest thing to me though was like. The type of people that was in the space because I was, you know, yeah. the people was like, yo, you should do the premiere at the Detroit Athletic Club or, you know, one of the fancy spots. I'm like, that ain't where I drink and do shots yeah. at. I do shots yeah. at Snooker's, you know what I'm saying, with my right peeps. Freeway, yeah. Right on, on and I'm business absolutely, business. <laughs> absolutely. And I'm like, I'm going to bring the people who be in old spaces to my space. Where I'm most comfortable mm-hmm. with is being around just my people, you know. Yeah, the politicians running around in Man. People in the city and all Entrepreneurs. <laughs> it was like like yeah, we had, yeah, we had, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it was dope, it was fam. A- pops there, the the you know, a couple of my situations there, you know. You know how to it. Yeah, you know, you know I'm not I'm not single it. life. I was enjoying the single life at the time. I mean, I I still am right now. So I don't know. How you know, I mean, what you kind of got to like? I mean, I'm trying to think that myself. is like getting, seeing somebody go from, like
1: you said, coming up to having all this success. Like, how do you
3: handle that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's. Groupies,
2: that I can Absolutely. Keep that all in. You know what I'm saying. All in perspective. I mean, you know, for me, I think part of it is is being in this game at a more mature age. You know, also I came from the streets where, saying, the streets yeah, where that was just normalized. So you know, as I got got older, you know, I'm, I'm kind of more focused on the business, man. You know, and that, all those things could be a distraction. Like it's fine. Like don't get me wrong. Like I'm single. I enjoy single life, you know, I'm, I'm out here, you know, I'm, I'm dating, but I'm super transparent that I'm like, look, I'm not ready to settle down unless this is what it is, and the, and the way I think of it now is like, I have a seven-year-old son, so I have to think of anything long-term through the lens of, is this going to be another support for him, you know, and so if it's not, then it's just like, yo, it's cool, hang out, have fun, whatever it is, and chill, but for the most part, man, I'm, I'm focused on the business and and I'm actually looking for something more substantial, like I'm not trying to just be out thugging it out in these streets, but I had those moments, too, when they were necessary. I mean, after 19 years in the joint, you know, it's like a kid in the candy shop, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, and the thing is, with success, there comes great opportunity, you know, but that's the thing where the responsibility prize to kick in. <laughs> Man, yeah, yeah, cause she actually going, yeah, she actually in college, I need to make sure she get one of them, yo. Yeah, no, real you know talk. Oh, I bro. First, you know <laughs> <laughs> oh, <what's that> <laughs> holla we holla we at your girl. Myself. Yo, you want to cast out too? She from the D. Come on, yo. Shout out to Cass. Man, come on, yo. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, that is the flash thing, though, man. It's, it's some beautiful sisters that read, man. Some fly nerds out here. It's a cool thing to read. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. You know what
2: I'm saying? Yeah. to be want to be Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's dope though, man. Like to see the Renaissance of intelligence, especially for young brothers. You know what I mean? I mean, if you think about culture, you know, you can't think about Black culture without thinking about the Harlem Renaissance. You had some of the most brilliant thought leaders, speakers, and writers, and like they made that dope. Like the jazz musicians would come in and chill and listen to ball and. That would inspire their music, you know? And so culturally, I've been I've been pushing, man, for brothers to really be more uh, intentional about articulating our stories and our narratives. If we're not telling our stories, that means somebody else is, you know? And if you think about all the stories that's told about black men through media, it's rooted in writing, you know? You can't write, you can't write, do, uh, create a movie without writing a script, you know what I'm saying? You can't create a TV show without writing a script, and so... Being in, in beast mode as a, as a writer, like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make that fly again, you know, like, you know. And it's been, it's been amazing for me, man, because I write on multiple platforms, so yeah. it's pretty dope. Yeah, like, we was talking about it, like, I was
3: like, man, I, was, I was telling him, like, yeah, shock in different rooms. Now, like, the book yeah. opened up the door, like, whatever that key is that opened up the door to like everything
1: is now, like, now you in the room, okay, I can produce a television show or I can do script written.
3: About a movie, like, I don't know, I don't know what it's talking, but I
2: know you said, did you sell the rights to the book to a... Yeah, so, so that's, that's in, uh, we're in the process of turning the, the book into a, a limited series, so we're potentially looking at eight to ten episodes, which is going to be super lit, you know, because mm-hmm. we're going to be in the D, definitely hoping to be able to film that in Detroit, uh, but what, is, what it's also done is just create space for me to figure out all the different types of stories I want to tell, you know, I've been able to produce a show I got several shows that I'm pitching right now that's in various stages of being pitched. And I'm just creating content, and it made me more confident as a storyteller, you know? Right. So, I mean, people reach out to me all the time. I'm writing uh, articles now for mainstream magazines. And I started off, I think the first thing I, I, I wrote when I came home, I sat in my own books that I wrote in a joint, was uh, I used to write for the, for the local paper, Michigan Citizen. Like, they gave me my first start on anything, and I was just like, I wanted to write uh, album reviews because I really was just trying to catch up with all the music I missed while I was in the joint, yeah, yeah. and wanted to know what was current. And so, so they was new music and stuff like that? yeah, and, and what happened is I didn't even expect them to pay me, and they 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 was like, yeah, come pick up this check, and it was like you know twenty five dollars for a, a, a music review. Yeah. And then what happened is one of their writers was wasn't uh, available, and they asked me could I cover a story about this brother uh, in Detroit who was doing a movie, okay. and so I went and I. So I, uh, I mean, I when, when I interviewed the brother. I told him, I was like, you know, I didn't go to journalism school or anything like yeah. that, but I, I'm going to just write it the way that I know. And I went and told his brother's story, and the paper got more response than they ever got from the story. And so from there, they just started, you know, inviting me to tell more stories. Like, I was, I, I did the first story on um, the art gallery right there on Woodward and uh, Forest, uh um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I did that. I did his story. And a few other stories. I mean, the story of the uh, the 1917 Bistro. I did that first story. I did all the the black business. That's how I met fame. You know, I met fame through touring. Yeah, that's how how I met him. was telling those stories. And then it went from that to I was writing a whole arts and business section, uh, business culture section. And so that kind of gave me my my Michigan Michigan Citizen, yeah, which is no longer in existence. That was probably about four to five months. Wow. And it was crazy. Man. I was interv- I was interviewing like uh interview, I remember interviewing uh the floorists uh from Floor That was like dope because I, I I didn't I didn't realize she had like that little London accent. Yo, bro, it was the flyest interview ever. I was I was like I was a little smitten with her. Like, yo, need to come across the pond or something. Uh I did uh um... <laughs> man... <laughs> Come on, holler at your boy now. <laughs> Yeah, but uh so so you know I I really been, you know, as I said, just kind of reflecting back on the journey uh that's brought me this far, you know, and it's been a lot of work, man. That's the that's the the big thing I want people to get, man. Bro, it's is I'm relentless. Let me say Let me ask you this. So you never had no formal training in writing? No, I'm self-taught. So you
3: literally started
2: writing what, in jail? Started writing in prison. So I I you know it's kind of crazy cuz I was thinking about my journey of a, as a writer and the first time I ever Realized I, I knew how to tell stories was I was taking this class in in uh, in prison. It was like a office occupation class, so basically a, a, a fancy name for a typing class. And I was bored. It was just something we mandatory had to do. You either had to be taking a class or working. And so I was taking this class, and I would get bored, and so I would write these little short stories, and then I would like pass them around, like notes. We like we like. So imagine this in a joint, like big kids passing notes, right? And uh, the brothers in there would be chirping, you know, and then like the way that my family and friends would respond when I write letters, they're like, you're so detailed, like you're really capturing the world. And then uh, the first actual thing I wrote that was published was for a prison newspaper. And when I wrote this this article, I was writing about my sister who who was battling addiction to crack cocaine at the time. And having come from the culture of selling crack, like I knew what women experienced in that culture. And so I wrote about it, but it didn't get published for like two months. And I'm coming out from work, man. These two brothers approaching me. I'm like, we on the the yard. So I'm like, what's what's popping? Like, you know, like it's about to get, it's about about to go down, right? And the brother was like, man, I just want to hug you, man. My mother's going through this right now. And the other brother's like, man, my aunt's going through this. And I was like, damn, that was deep. So when I go back to work, my supervisor, he like, he reading and he keep looking at me, you know? And I'm like, 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 what's up, you know? He was like, man, did you write this? And I was like, like, yeah, yeah, I wrote it, you know? He was like, bro, like, you you have serious talent. You know, you're going to do something with your life. And uh, shout out to, to, my, to my guy, Tom, man. Uh, this was the one of the first people who worked for the Department of Corrections that actually believed in me. So he took that article to his wife who worked for a publishing magazine at the time. And she read it and she was like, this guy just has pure, raw talent, you know. And so... You know, it was years before I actually wrote a book, but those early, early moments are the things that I, when I reflect back, like, damn, oh, it was there all the time, and I didn't really even understand it until I was in solitary and I decided to commit to writing a full book. Man, and this
1: one, it got real for me, bro. Like I said, I did the, you know, I hosted the Soul Sundays for
3: you. Me and my pops, I was in Mississippi, this is my pops in Philadelphia, and we was watching Golden State, playoff game, Mm.
1: I don't know who they was playing and while I'm watching the game, I'm talking to my dad. I see a nigga with dreadlocks around my in side. Sitting close to Curry and see the And I'm like, nigga, that's
3: a shot. Like, hey, Y'all, we probably get reminded, but I don't know. I just grabbed my phone and text my nigga, like, where you at? And he's like, go not stay here. I'm like, nigga. And he didn't do that corner. I take a picture with him and the player. The nigga took a picture of his feet right there. And
2: i
1: Talk, man. At the crib in the
3: city, like you don't say, Hey, bro, I'm doing this thing. I mean, he want to be able to say, I couldn't do it. Yeah, but he was out here, like, in the paint for real, like, right, how you out here, Billy. And it was just like to see that and to go see him at a Gold State game where I, it was, it might have been finals. I might have been training. But what's that like? Uh, going from, like you said, being locked up in South Carolina to, to being in a place that, you know, if Jay Z don't get his tickets early enough, he might not be like, nigga, he couldn't
2: sit there because you was there. Yeah, facts. So what's that like, bro? Uh, no, man, it's it's incredible, man. I mean, I, I was fortunate. I was actually with my guy, Ben. Uh, me and Ben got a, a podcast coming out called uh, uh, The Hustle's Guide to Tech. But, um, you know, it, it's it's a surreal experience at times, you know, and, you know, to have real genuine friends who I've met being on this journey who actually just, you know, they they open up the doors to access in a genuine way. You know, it's like, bro, I'm going to the game today. What's up? Where, where you at? Um, and not because they want something from me, but just because they enjoy the company and brotherhood. And, and so Ben is one of my really, really good friends. And that was who I was at the game with. And actually, his wife uh, Felicia, who's like my big sister, she gave me her seat. So technically, I'm, you know, I'm a rocking sussie. Uh And you know, those those moments are like super dope. You know, what's crazy though is so the game you probably see me was like I think right before the uh, playoffs kicked off. Because I've, I've been, have actually been to a few games, but Game Seven, Cleveland Golden State. Okay. My guy Ben hit me up, mm-hmm. bro. You want to come to the last game? Game seven. game seven. I'm in LA at the time. This so I'm still living in Detroit. Right. It's Father's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. I had promised my son I'd be home for Father's Day. Okay. Yeah. I was like Ben, I got to pass on. Yeah. Game seven, get back home to my son. So I'm going to hold that shit over his head for the rest of his life. Like, bruh. Yeah, no, dog. I came back Game seven. Game seven. That was the big block. That was the crazy, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So, I mean, but those, those experiences, man. You know the dopest thing about it, though, is like when you meet good people, it don't matter what level of access they have. It's just really about who they are. And so you know those moments when I'm when I'm there with the game is no different than if me and you at the game said we'd probably be in the bleachers. But you know, what I mean? <laughs> man, absolutely, yeah, we kicking it. Yeah, it's, it's just, man. It's literally the same thing. And realistically, realistically, it's just about the quality of people you're around and, and do people really care about you and they really rock with you and have your back. You know, so I feel. You know, I, th- I think the thing that I feel the most special about is that I am able to navigate so many different worlds and never have to change who I am. So that's, like, the dopest part about it is, like, I can be in the hood one day chopping up with the brothers. I don't have to put on any fronts because that's where I'm from, you know what I mean? Um, but I can also be, you know, in Silicon Valley or, you know, in, in other corporate spaces and still I'm still me, you know what I mean, and, and show up as a full human being, and I think that's one of the things that helps us bridge the gap is when we can you see it. You look, dreadlock, fitting cast. <laughs> I'm sure people like, this nigga no good. <laughs> but you move into spaces where
1: it's like, you good, and then you yeah. look like, you ain't got to set your chain
2: in because it's like, you are who you are the right? matter where you at. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the fact that you was being
3: damn near interrogated by the police and you put Jerome Bendis out your pocket.
2: Clutch. I'm you
1: know, <laughs> scammed, so like he is not, he said What happened?
2: Tell the story. Oh, man, so that... I mean, so, no, that was crazy, right? That story went viral, man. It's been like viewed over like seven million times. It's crazy. Um, we were actually so I'm, I'm, I co-founded with uh, Big Sean, former Detroit mayor Bing, and uh, brother Sean Wilson, who now um, heads uh, the Boys and Club, Boys and Girls Club of Detroit. And part of what we did is we created this barbershop challenge. And then you know Sean stepped down and it moved on, so it's still going on. Ford supports that. And we were at the barbershops just hanging out. I was actually stepping out, step outside. It was hot. It was a lot of us up in there. You know what I mean? Stepped outside. And me and uh, my guy, Cal, you know, uh, me and Cal, we stand outside talking. And police come across the street. And he's kind of looking around. And, I, you know, I hear him mumbling like, man, ain't no cars blocking the, you know, intersection." So basically somebody called him. And he got a dispatch saying, excuse me, basically he got a dispatch saying that, you know, it was a group of black guys out. Basically, that was the real story. But basically, they kind of put it like somebody's blocking the an intersection, and you know he was just, you can tell—he was kind of like disgusted. Like, man, I'm, I'm these fake calls for nothing. You know what I mean? And He knew what it. Yeah, he knew what it was. You know, and so I stopped him and just started talking to him, just like you know, what's up, bro? Like, how long have you been on the force? He was like ten months. You know, he told me he was like he was, you know, a military vet, and we literally just vibing like two dudes, right? And I was like, man, you should come inside the barbershop shop because you know this is how you build community relationships, you know. He is like, man, I would love to come in. They look like y'all having fun. He was like, man, as soon as they see the uniform, it's going to be a party killer. You know, he's like, I can tell y'all having fun. Y'all got the red solo cups. And I'm like, I'm literally sitting out here drinking outside with the solo cup. That ain't in the picture. <laughs> Shout out to my dude, Ernest, who captured that without capturing the cup. But, you know, it, it was just a, a real moment. And I was like, man, I'm like, bro, I'm like, I'm telling you should come in. I'm like, Jerome Bettis in there. He is like, man, quit playing, man. Jerome Bettis ain't up in there. I'm like, no, I'm like, serious. The bus is up up in here, you know. And and, I, and I, I do know that sometimes when you're operating in this space of, of access and you're doing this work and you see people just under normal circumstances, like you forget that Jerome Bettis is like the iconic, you know, I'm just looking at this, my guy from the D, you know what I mean? Right, absolutely. You know, and I'm just, because that was our whole vibe going over there. We on the bus drinking, chopping it up, listening to music, talking. We talking about Detroit, right? So it it. it Get you out of the headspace of like, this is an NFL legend, you know what I'm saying? Pro Football Hall of Famer. This is like just Jerome, this is Jerome, we just chopping it up, right? Yeah, from the right, from the back, right? So I go in, I'm like, I'm like, Jerome, man, come, you know, come talk to the police. He don't think you're in here for real, you know? And he's so the brother is so humble, that's what's dope, right? Jerome turned up like a regular DCAT, It's just so genuine, you know what I mean? So he pop out, and when he started talking, Like, literally, the officer is just, like, reversed to to childhood. You know, like, he's literally like a fan. He's, like, it's blowing his mind that he's literally sitting here just chopping it up with the bus in a very casual setting, you know. And then he started talking about how um, Jerome was his dad's, you know, favorite player. And, and like, it was one of those moments his his dad's no longer with us that, you know, it all kind of hit us, like, in that moment, you know. And I I actually don't know what Jerome's, you know, status is with his father. Or, you know, what his parenting life is, if he's a father or not. But I know for me in that moment, you know, it made me think about my dad who's, you know, battling MS right now. And, you know, and then also being a dad, you know, and and having a son. And just in that moment seeing that look on his face. It was just pure innocent. And I'm like, you know, we can get to that in the country. And not not just police and and civilians, but just in general as human beings. Like, to me, I think that's the magic thing is when you can see the child in another person, you know. So... yeah. Like, what's going on? I'm like, we was kids at one point. Man, at one point like, in time, like, bro. white, black. You know, a clan member. Black. It's just like, bro, we was all kids, and when you like, you take kids and just put them all in the space, they just they kick kids, it. man. They they absolutely. They gonna kick it, and it's like, to
3: get older and life change and whatever circumstances happen, get us to the place where you know, I, I ain't gonna lie, we came up coming in here, we was on the elevator with a nice Korean lady, and I could feel how uncomfortable she was with us, and it was like. No, you know, and I, it made me uncomfortable that she was
1: uncomfortable. Yeah. like, you should understand, I'm a man, and I'm going let nothing happen to you. Yeah. even though I don't even know you. Right. Like, that's how I feel like it should be.
2: Like, you know what I'm saying? My mom, my mom she should be straight because there's men around. Like, yeah. nothing happening. It's like, nah, while well, I'm right here. Right, you right. You know what I'm saying? but Yeah. It's, de- it's definitely, I mean, L.A. culture is definitely different, you know, and it was it's one of the things that I think when I first moved out here, I struggled with, you know, because, really I mean, in a, in a, in, a, in terms of... I won't say it's good or bad. It's more like, you know, when I think of, like, Detroit, you know, I, I rock a hat pretty much everywhere I go, right? Um, and people always are, like, from Detroit, and they always kind of lean in with this kind of, like, you survive type thing. And it's kind of like, you know, that. so that narrative around Detroit has been so negative for so long. And I'm like, that's not the Detroit I know. And I'm like, yes, those elements exist. But the Detroit I know is that you can literally go, to the liquor store to get a loaf of bread and you make friends literally in the line, you cracking jokes, you laughing, it's you know, it's the commonest of of you know connectivity that you just don't get other places, you know? And so to come from from that where, you know, when I'm when I'm home, when I'm in a D, I don't care where I'm at. It's always when I see another brother or sister, what up though? And it's an instant connection, you know what I'm saying? We know whether it's like a real Detroiter versus, you know, somebody passing through. But even, even the people who aren't originally from Detroit, there's a, a friendliness of a spirit that just, to me, I was shocked that that wasn't what it was in L.A. They kind of probably pick it up from being there. Like, and it probably comes from us being from originally down south. Absolutely. down there. Like, down south, speaking. All our people came up here for whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some type of ranking or higher, they're not really trying to speak to you if they don't think you can. I don't know. Everybody seems like they're trying to like, hey, you know me, don't say nothing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting, and it depends from from area to area, right? You know, when I first moved out here, I was living in Hollywood, and you know, I would get on the elevator, and like literally, my neighbors would just straightforward not speak. You know, and I used to be like, I used to have these moments where I'm just like, you feel you feel that judgment of like you know how are how are you how are you yeah how are you how are you perceiving me, and then so it went from that 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 feeling of like, dang, like this is wow to like kind of like I was like offended, I'm like, yo, y'all got roommates, I don't got a roommate, you know what I'm saying, y'all driving, Prius, I got this big body boy down here, like why is all I should be wondering what y'all trying to do, you know what I'm saying, y'all trying to right yeah what are you doing right? Yeah, but then I realized something else that was like one of the greatest discoveries I had. It's like dogs are the solution to racism. Dogs? No. Yeah, because my girlfriend, I bought her a dog, my ex well, girlfriend, I bought her this uh, little Frenchie. Wait and like, oh, I mean, it's just the facts, you know. <laughs> no, it's, it's the ex, it's the ex. Uh, but I, so I bought her a Frenchie, and the same neighbors who would ignore me whenever I had the Frenchie with me, though, they'd be like, oh my. This is such an adorable dog, and wow. how are you? And what unit are you living in? But it'd be like the same conversation, like every few weeks, with the same dog. Like, yo, it's crazy. Yeah. So it's just like you know, you 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 realize like the the perception of us um, is real. They need a they need icebreaker. We don't need nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But I but I do think you know it, it speaks to like this larger issue which is the narrative around specifically black men like in media. And I always think about like, what if I wasn't black? And my only perception of us was based on television or media or the news. Like, how would I walk away feeling? You know, like, how would you, like, how would you really feel about this group of people that's been marginalized and stereotyped into this box as the villain, as America's villain? You know, and if you, if you're not black and that's your only depiction is through television then I can see why people would be, like, hesitant. Because if you don't have any interaction, engagement, or experience in your first encounter, um is through media, you're going to walk away with a very distorted perception of, like, who we are. If you, you meet a black person, if you Starbucks handing you your drink, you never get a chance to chop it up with them. You know, it's like, cool, that's all we
3: need. These are the parameters that make sure that it's the only way we
1: kick you. How
2: would you know how i get going to be now? Well, what's that yeah. yeah. and, and to me, that's what that's what... And I hate to use the word privilege because I just think people have like prostituted that word out so much, but there is a privilege to not having to see other people, you know to not having to really see them in, in a real way and not have to really assess you know who these people are beyond whatever uh comfort that you've already you know created for yourself and and I think that's part of the problem you know and it's it's so interesting because. When you find people who are intentional about breaking down barriers, mm-hmm. then you realize like how much more we are alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. You should probably, we should figure out a way where you have to force people to kick it. Like, uh, I don't know how, but yeah. you should have to force people to kick it and get to know people from other like You know, you should have to, on big ass field trips, don't
1: leave right here, bro. Go over here. <laughs> like, cause I don't know since you've been here, how you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm probably going to answer this. You hit the hood around here, like, well, Oh yeah, I, absolutely. I Like, when I go, they don't
2: feel yeah, no. It's it, I mean I hit the hood everywhere I go because that that's important, you know. And a lot of my work is still focused in areas that's considered the hood, right? And you know, to me, it's nothing like it. You know, it's nothing like going into a space where you feel immediate connection. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter if you speak, people speak back. You you know, you just go and break bread, and you find yourself in in line at a restaurant, laughing and joking with somebody. Y'all observe something the same. And it's just like that connectivity of like, ah, I get it, you know. So yeah, definitely. Uh, South Central, my my ex, she's from South Central, so always was going out there with her, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's it's you know it's it's communal, you know what I mean? And you know, it's, it's optically it looks very different from from like Detroit hood, but you can't be fooled by the by the look, you know. It's real, you know. It's real out here in LA like it is. Chicago and New York and any other yeah, spot. Spli- yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um so since being out here, man, like I used to about spots and
3: kicking. that I was trying to get party, said the best strip club on here in LBC as far as uh Blackland. I'm trying to get
2: party about these kids thirty dollars to walk in I'm on you know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna throw no money, but I'm gonna stay there. Like I mean like what what's the kicky spot? Like what's you know? Um, I so Interestingly enough, I don't really kick it that much out here unless it's business, you know. Because it's, like, this time, man, will will absorb you in a way that's hard to to break out of, you know. Because uh, it's like it's it's, it's it's super yeah. <laughs> super <lit. laughs> cocaine cartel, <laughs> uh. But you know, not. But it's some it's some dope spots. Like, you know, Wednesday night. Um, one of my friends, she actually hosts this thing called Cherry Popping in Hollywood, and it'd be lit. It'd be lit, but lit in a Dope, intimate, small bar spot with dope music though. The DJB fire, old school hip hop. You know, definitely a restaurant a spot called Tower out here. I like uh, Tower got that little ambiance where you can be sitting there and anybody might roll through, but it's not. You know, people just there. You know what I'm saying? Anybody who there is there. It's not like a big thing. You know what I mean? So you can literally be sitting there and the most random of people. But the food is really good. And they got dope drink. you don't drink though, right? Yeah. yeah. You drink? What you drink? Light beer or something Would you? No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all good. But um, I mean, it's no, it, it's one thing that's dope about out here. Great food spots. You know, um, it's not, it's not too hard to find something that's that's popping. You know, literally, I mean, Hollywood is Hollywood. You can always just roll up anywhere over there and find something. K Town. K Town got little yeah yeah they got they got some spots out here uh yeah well the thing is like they they style the tacos different from what we used to back home that's all that is yeah yeah we used to yeah. <laughs>
4: region where a lot of the Mexicans are from Detroit is
1: a different part of Mexico, close right. to the Gale region of Mexico. Right. Whereas
4: the Mexicans generally here in the LA area and even the Texas
1: area, it's a border. like, yeah, yeah if, if you go further west Texas, it's a different style of
4: taco than if you go further east Texas. So when people say, this don't even taste like real Mexican food, it's like, what region
2: of right. Mexico are you coming from? Right, right. I mean, and then you know, we also get confused by the by the Ortega shells that we grew up with in the hood. Like this like that ain't even right, that's a yeah, that's not even a whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I believe that the culture can definitely change the way that people familiarize
4: themselves. Yeah, so a lot of yeah. North Carolina. Of, yeah. And like, Detroit are from Alabama. Mississippi. Yeah. 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 So like a lot of that Alabama,
2: Georgia black
4: folk is different when you say, Yo, I want some greens. Yeah. And then you get some of that Mississippi greens and you like, What is this? Yeah, it's a Different level.
2: Or Arkansas greens. Right. Like, a lot of people
4: from Chicago, you know, they roots go back to like Arkansas the further west south. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean it's a different get down. Yeah, you know, family from Florida. So when you get macaroni, you don't know what they mean. <laughs> right. What because they're mix it up a little bit different with the cheese, menus, blends, the you know, food and culture that intertwine.
2: Yeah, I think that's 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 been one of the one of the best part of my experiences of of traveling is opening myself up to being able to um experience different food, different food culture, mm-hmm. and you know even even drink culture like just. You know, you, your, your your palate changes, you know, your taste changes. But I think the experience of, like, going into something with an open mind is something that I feel good about. When I first came home, like, my first two years, it was just straight hamburgers, chicken wings, you know, coniade and the things I was familiar with. And I remember the first time I tried something, like, outside the scope of my comfortability. And it wasn't even, like, in hindsight, it wasn't even nothing that deep. But it was like some sushimi, you know what I mean? like straight thin sliced tuna raw and i was like i i didn't come up on that you know but i tried it and then i was like damn this this is this is actually dope and then i was like okay just try stuff you know i found myself eating octopus i was like oh this is this is wild right it's like and it was like slightly alive so it was just an interesting experience you know but just trying it and not being afraid uh and then i figured out what i like and what i don't like you know
4: Yeah, with, and a lot of things that go on with the travels. Yeah. My question now, with that, would be what? What are the future plans? What's What's going to be right now? As the storytelling has now become theatrical, yeah. it's, it's moving to different forms of content. Something yeah. about content coming and I'm like, oh man, Shocker doing a lot of things yeah. under the umbrella of storytelling. Yeah. From just from the author
2: space. yeah yes uh, uh, i'm I'm, happy, I'm actually happy you brought that up, uh, especially considering um, contextually of, of how we met through these different different people, right, and one of the things that that's been interesting me on my journey is people's perception of me versus the reality of who I am and what my dreams was before I got out of prison, so when I came home. People assumed that I was like an activist, or like that was my focus was on criminal justice and you know turn the system around. The reality is I was writing for a long time before I ever got out, and I actually write fiction, which is what I love. It's like my first love is writing fiction. Yeah, first, I bought, I yeah crack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So
4: then when I saw, you know, our friend, you said, which definitely look at activism and Mm -hmm. social justice from a different scope of some of the work. And really that connection to all of you all while uh, coming up with a way to interact and engage the inmates while being incarcerated was so deep.
2: Yeah, I mean, like what, like, what I explain to people is, like, I do the work because I really have friends who are still incarcerated. And people forget that part of it. And, and, and how I explain to people is, like, I grew up with these guys for 20 years. You know, that's two decades of my life during my most formative years. Like, those are my real friends. And as a real friend, I can't leave them behind. And I, know that, I knew that, you know, in, in telling my story that it would help humanize the men and women who have been demonized. Um, you know even by our own community you know because I mean like you know with the levels of gun violence in our community there's a lot of fear around you know um, you know young men who were the young man that I was and so for me I was like you know I want I want to be able to utilize my creative voice to talk about these real issues like all of my work has like social impact embedded and it's just embedded in the DNA of how I write so yeah it's not forced it's just like so like my first my first series that I publish is, is called Crack. And so I had a, my my intentions with that was the title will grab the attention of young people and then I'll drop these jewels on them within the, in, within the story in a real way. So even though it's a detective story, it's also the story of a black man in a black community trying to solve problems that we all face. And how does he do that? You know, in a way that, you know, honors who he, is, who he was before he put the uniform on. And so the conversations even between him and like, his romantic interest, you know, there's, there's one time he's at, the, he's at a crime scene and she makes a, a, a snap judgment and she's like, oh, another drug related, you know, and he was like, you know, um, so anytime you see a young bo- black body riddled with bullets, you automatically assume that it was something nefarious happening. And, you know, I'm like, he's he like, what the hell, you know, kind of college did you go to? You know what I'm saying? A nigga ain't shit universally because you already had this perception that doesn't align with the facts because you haven't even looked at the facts yet. You know, so it's in those moments I'm able to grapple, help people grapple with the, um, the things that we don't feel comfortable talking about. So when I, when I got out and then, you know, people saw me working with Yusuf, who's like, this is my brother. Like, this is a brother who, of course, I'm going to come support him because this is my friend. We grew up in prison together. You know what I mean? And we talked about being able to add value to the community. And so for me, adding value to the community wasn't so much about being an activist as it was about being a black man who grew up in the community that I helped destroy you know what I'm saying and so but my dream from the very beginning when I discovered that I even had the power to dream was to be a writer across multiple platforms and so that got lost in all of the success things and so people saw my trajectory a little bit different than theirs because they didn't understand like my dream was rooted in where I'm actually at right now and much yeah.
4: The yeah.
1: music, like the creativity
4: that absolutely you where you're coming from as a storyteller is balanced. And now that makes sense of even the connection you had with most of the comedians. Because oh, like every day it's like, dang, you find out more about somebody that you know where it's like, okay, now I can put the creativity into a different scope. Because that's another style of storytelling.
2: Absolutely. Right oh, man, it's, it's the best. You know, I'm, I'm actually working on a, a new show. And it's, it's interesting that what happens in my keynote addresses is people are shocked that I'm actually funny because I'm talking about such a serious uh, subject matter, right? And what I what I've always tell people is like, one, once, I, once I understood that I wasn't just somebody talking about an issue, but that there, that there was levels to storytelling and becoming a masterful storyteller, like I began to really study comedians, you know, like I, I love one, one of the things I was actually talking to a friend about Josh earlier, Is what I've always loved and respected about your craft is like how quick you are on your feet and how witty you are and how responsive you are, especially when you get like a heckler. I'm like, oh, this is about to be good, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, John's about to get, man, I'll be yo, like, yo, get him, you know what I mean? But it, but, 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 but what I was explaining to her, I was like, you know, watch his timing, like, his timing is impeccable. And like, to me, the, the art of storytelling, it's like, it's what makes Chappelle so. Great to me. It's like he's a brilliant storyteller. Yeah. Like his storytelling is is just, better, it's uh, man, it's it's been un, it's been unbelievable. Like even like the the recent one is dope, but the one before that when he was talking about Iceberg Slim's book, yeah. I'm like, come on, bro, you hitting with the with the pimp? Yeah. Come on, man, you talking that talk, right? So that level of storytelling is like rooted so deeply in our history. And to me, you know, when you think about Richard Pryor masterful storyteller, you know, even wow. even masterful storyteller, you know. Yeah, because he told all types of stories about the women, but yeah, that's, yeah, all that's all the whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> right, literally. But, I mean, when you, when you think about, like, when I think about comedy, I think about timing, attention to detail, and ability to tell a story that connects with people, yeah. you know. And so whenever I see you on stage, and I, I've always, like, loved your work, you know, and I always felt like you had something that was beyond – you know what? What you know? Some of the other comedians, and I mean, I think we got some dope comedians out of out of D. But I think there's different type of comedians. You know, um, yeah, it's some, it's some crazy dope. Like y'all got a crazy dope crew. But I, I just always felt like that that thing that you have in the moment yeah. is something that's different from somebody doing a set. Yeah, you know, and and, and that's. I mean, you could write a joke and it'd be hilarious, but it's just something about everybody realize it just happened in this moment. Yeah. And, and Man. Bro, it's the most, it's the best, it's the best, and like, that's a real gift, though. Because everybody don't, everybody don't have that, though. you yeah, you know, you don't realize I, just I, mean, I realize that I did it better enough. and that's have you realize
1: what you be doing? I'm like, Man, i just <laughs> Right, so, right. I mean, I <laughs> right. And they be so like, oh, right. 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 Right.
2: Right. 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 you Right. Know what I'm so right. 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 Right.
3: Right. 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 Right.
1: Right. 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 Right.
3: Right. 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 Yeah. So like had shot up the nigga. Eh, much. It froze.
2: Okay, how you go, bro? But cuz somebody heckled T Miller. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, today. But try like bro, they say
1: like just talk about like how they say it was
2: like wood, yeah. wood. like that was the spot. Bro. No, I mean, it it you know, really it's so crazy cuz I remember when I first came home. So, um, so my son say cool's mom Ebony. She took me to Artist Village. So I went to the Artist Village, and Katrina was, was singing. And she was singing this song called Trouble, and, like, I just fell in love with that song. Like, it just, it, like, literally hit my soul, right? And so I ended up actually interviewing Katrina as well for the, it's crazy how many people I interviewed for the paper, yo. This is wild. I, I, literally, I, literally, I literally interviewed, yeah, I interviewed her. She was uh, doing the Artist Village. I interviewed her for the paper. And then she actually told me about They Say. And I remember just going over there, man. And it was, it was just, to me, it was just this beauty, man, of just young black people working out their dream in front of people who really was there to cheer them on and celebrate them, you know? And so, you know, I've tested out. I mean, we, we did a monologue show. Like, I, man, we was just trying all type of stuff, you know? I remember just reading from, I remember reading from my erotic joint. I was know, reading it Man I, I was I, So a lot of people Don't know this either About about the um, They don't know about me Writing erotica So I was writing this erotica I was just in hustle mode man and, and you know as a writer I'm just like I just want to tell stories That matter You know what I mean And uh, I tested that out a day say man That was hilarious Just like I'm sitting here Reading this erotic joint In front of uh, You know just poets or Whatever man But Legendary place, man. I used to, I, I had, that was like part of my ritual. You know, I'm a weekly ritual Thursday, go get me some wings, give me some comedy, some good poetry, some singing. Um, they say yeah. Also, black owned establishment. Absolutely. A time where a lot of people are labeling Detroit as a very
4: gentrified place. Yeah. A lot of black owned places that have a legacy. Yeah. And the legacy of what they say represents is something strong. Absolutely. Expanded and added Eastland to the mix. They remodeled. Uh, definitely good recipes. It's one of the few places I was there maybe two months ago where you can be in Detroit and see a white family sit mm-hmm. down and have
1: a dinner, mm-hmm.
4: a black-owned establishment Dope. in the city of Detroit. Like that's so rare in America. Yeah. To see that happen. Yeah. It is it, shocking and surprising. Mm-hmm. Grateful. Oh, no, I love that spot. Years definitely the stage is a transition from actor, 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 from Marshall to yeah. Katrina to what Jacob and Peace did.
2: Yeah, it was. What's popping there now? Are they still doing something there? Right now, it's no
1: open mic space. Yeah, it is. They definitely still have
4: parties and then they still have music going. And oh,
2: yeah, we might have to do like a a quarterly thing or something, man. We just bring like the dope people from the D. Like, you know, it's crazy. Like, I, I'm working on a few projects that's, you know, uh, centered around Detroit and my experience there. And like one of my one of my great dreams, man, is to is to really get all of the Detroiters that so called quote unquote made it right in the city for one event that's not about solving gun violence or dealing with trauma, but literally just celebrating who we are in the world as a city that's gave birth to all these dope people. And, I mean, obviously, you know, our work is always going to be entrenched in helping the community, but sometimes we need to just celebrate each other for the sake of celebrating. And, like, that's what I want to see. I want to see, the, uh, you know, Jamel Hill, C-Web, Jalen. Like, it's a lot of people that's winning, you know what I mean? You've had that vision for a while. Dr. Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah. Like, I don't know if I ain't, cost a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. And even with that, back then my my response now is mean, Trade is different as a concept hub for different creators like Josh and the Asians and the Black Coffee people, Why not natural hair. Yeah. It's good to do, but the festival that's taking place with Detroit is different at the end of October mm-hmm. is addressing one of these challenges of the spaces for Detroit artists to create. And just building and finding those opportunities. Yeah. Why so many artists uh, definitely need to move just beyond the, the boundaries of Detroit itself to get opportunity is because a lot of those spaces necessarily can't be created. And with what I see happening for Detroit is different. It's I'm committing more and more and more, this is a decade's a provision in my mind now. Yeah. One yeah. Of the yeah, I
2: think, I mean, I think that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a key point, too, you know. It's, it's one of them, and you know, the, so here's just some, like, real talk, you know. When I, when I look at the people who go out and chase their dreams, right, and sometimes you have to go away to, to be able to come back and, and bring those resources back, the thing that, that's important, man, is, like, our people have to be more understanding of our journey, you know, cause like, you know, there's a lot of judgment that happens. Like once you it's, and it's this weird thing, right? It's like when you when you on a grind immediately, when you first get on the grind, like man, you get you get shitted on so much. You know, like I can't tell you how many people been like, man, if you don't get out the barbershop, it's long and blah, 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 and there ain't, ain't nobody buying no books. And if you don't have that tough that toughness, that grit, like that shit will crush you. You know what I'm saying? But then you start getting a little bit of momentum and then people start really rocking with you. You know, and it's like, oh, okay. I see you, bro, I see you making it, I see you making it, and then it's like when you hit that, that spot where you, like, about to hit that next level, then this is when all the bullshit started happening, this is when all the hate started coming, and, and like, you know, when I see that, and I, and I mean, I've been blessed, you know what I mean, I've been blessed to not have a lot of that directed toward me, but it's, you know, you always get haters or whatever, right? Um, but, you know, I see that happen with some of the artists, when they start reaching a certain level then it's like, oh, this person only made it because of this reason. Or they're only made it because of this luck or this thing, you know. And, and, and I mean, I've heard people even say that, oh, he wouldn't be where he would be was without Oprah. Well, what they don't understand is, like, if you go back and watch the Oprah interview, the book that Oprah is reading on an interview is the book out the trunk. You know what I'm saying? This is not a book that was sent to her by a publisher, by a, you know, a, 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 a publishing company. This is the book I was selling out the trunk of my fucking car. You know what I'm saying? And, like, they don't understand that part of, like, yeah, but, but the whole thing is, what, it wasn't only uh, groundwork. It was me actually betting on myself because what happened, how she got that book is I was going to do this talk. And I went to my business partner at the time and was like, yo, this is going to be an interesting room. And I feel like we should send books for their swag bag. Now, at the time, she's like, well, this is, that's about $2,500 in inventory. 100 books, I was selling books for $25 a pop. Mm. And I was like, well, that was, that's the inventory based on the margin. I'm like, it's technically like $250 worth of books, right? Mm. Um, but, you know, her and I discussed it, and I was like, you know, you just had to trust me on this one. Like, I feel something special is going to happen as a result of taking this risk. So I really bet on myself, sent those books out. One of the women who happened to be in the room used to be uh, the president of, I think it was like the president of Harper, I may be getting her title wrong, but she actually read the book after the talk, and she eventually passed the book on to Oprah. So it was really me and my partner betting and taking a gamble when I didn't have no money in the bank. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, just the cost of sending those books out was excruciating when, you know, you got $125 in your business account, and it costs $50 to ship books. You know what I mean? So it's like making those tough-ass decisions in a moment. Like, that's what got that book to her, and I had to r- fucking write the book. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't get the book deal without writing the book, right? So, the thing is, like, a lot of times we're, we're we want to discredit a person's ascension or credit it to something other than them being dope and being committed and being willing to put the fucking work in. You know what I mean? And, like, I've taught, man, bro, if, if, if I was reactionary, responded to every no, every door that was closed in my face, every time somebody was like, we won't put this on your shelf. Um, you know, um, if I was responsible, if I would have just shut down then, I would never be where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? And I'm and I mean I'm still I'm in the thick of it, bro. Like it's no I haven't made it, made it. You know what I mean? Like to me when it's making is when you don't have to worry about that next sale, you don't have to worry about that next product getting moved or whatever the case may be. So I'm making it. I'm in the I'm in the process, but the thing is I'm betting on me, you know what I mean? And I'm I'm betting on me with no net. I'm just like, you know what? I've done a whole lot more with a whole lot less. And as long as I can stay committed to understanding that, then all then eventually I'll get where I, where I need to be, you know. But it's it's tough. It's no, this shit ain't for the faint of heart. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, you like said, you coming out here making it like even from you, I remember you said, "Bro, I'm about to leave and go out here." Like you know, you was like, right all the way on, I'm moving
3: out here," but you know what I'm saying? I'm still gonna make the move because I got to expand my situation. Absolutely. Yeah, but you could have easily here, like, and right, hey, got. That kid. But it's only so much you can do in Detroit. As much as we want to get it there,
1: the reality, like he said, and like I've been realized, you gotta go get it. Then you come back. You can't help nobody there from there. You gotta yeah.
2: get it, then you can bring it back. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think we in a position to build industry there though, because there's enough of us that's like actually getting it now, right? So you, you know, you take somebody like Big Sean who's been intentional about investing into Boys and Girls Club. You know what I'm saying? Making sure that the things needed to create content. Are there? You know, I think, just one, right? yeah, 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 we were actually, I was just there a couple of weeks ago, yeah, so, well, I'm, I'm not directly a part of that, what, what happened with that is, I met Big uh, Sean when we started Men of Courage, um, and so I met him through Sean Wilson, so whenever uh, his mom, Myra, who's just an incredible beacon of light in Detroit, and she really cares deeply about the kids whenever she reaches out for me to do anything, like, that's a given, you know? And, and Big Sean has always been appreciative of, of, you know, my efforts to support the, you know, the Sean Foundation and, and the work that they're doing. But I didn't have no role in, like, the, the, the contribution he just made. I just came and supported uh the Don Weekend and spoke on the panel, you know what
4: I mean? Well, I just meant more so just that project and then
2: the courage. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And even
4: the relationships, Yeah. That- so meek how the relationships intersect yeah. uh, with the work Sean Wilson has done. Absolutely. And, and his partnerships and, and friendships with people like Phil Cooley, one of the other. Scott,
2: yeah, Phil's yeah, dope. And, and so many other people of doing work and looking to implement different things and even with the Ford Foundation
4: and as I find out more about Dave Bean's role and working with a lot of other uh, other other executives giving them opportunities it's layers and points of interest that can intersect that can get a lot of good energy into a space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a really cool thing that is developing and the work still is is moving forward and the work can be done. So as much as I do think that yeah, you gotta stay committed. This will be people that will connect with you along that journey that see what's happening and your past will meet and your past will grow into more fruit and then it'll grow into more fruit. and Other people will join in on that. You know, some of the things happening on Detroit's east side that people talk about that's bleak. There are a lot of cool things happening over there. Absolutely. You know, that Osborne neighborhood has people investing in it. You know, some of the urban gardening that's happening just even around the Persian neighborhood. There's some opportunities and... Some strength, but yeah, with those opportunities a strength. It's also great that there are some of the cats like you you said, that will go and touch some of the bloods that are over in some of those communities and neighborhoods and be like, Yo, yep, here are some other things that you can do. Yeah, here are some ways that you can take that energy and that interest
2: and focus. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think that the, the incredible thing, man, is when you have a diversity of people working toward the common good and i think you know one one of the things i found just problematic in terms of like activist culture is this idea that we all have to think the same and we all have to be doing the same thing and the reality is it's it's the diversity of contributions that really makes the big difference you know what i mean and and that's and that's art like art is it art is a form of resistance like that people don't even think about even if it's just even if it's just getting somebody through you know a day, like, no you know, one of, one of the things going back to Day Say, when I used to come to Day Say, a lot of times, man, that was just me having a space to, like, laugh and just relieve the tension of the week. Like, you can't do this work if you can't laugh. You know what I'm saying? You can't do this work if you can't listen to music that feeds your soul. You know what I'm saying? If you can't listen to poets who actually are talking about the shit you're going through in an artistic way that helps you understand it differently. You know what I mean? And so for me, Going to, going to they say, always had a, a, a real, very clear intention behind it, which was to feed my soul, you know what I mean? So I can go back in and fight those battles, you know what I mean? So uh, that's why, to me, art is like the, one of the greatest forms of, of, you know, resistance is, you know, it gives us an opportunity to really talk about the things in a non-threatening way toward, toward each other, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I just hope more more of our people that's, that's on the ground, in the grassroots aspect of it or just the people who are trying to make their dream come true start realizing that we're all driven by different motivators and that we can support each other even though we're not the same and you know when we get behind each other like that
3: yeah we got the same goal man. we just going about it different ways. I'll hate
2: you you know what I mean do you yeah absolutely as long as we
3: get to the same end game you know what I mean yeah for sure but like you said man like on the and stuff like that bro you gotta have fun you can't be so uptight with everything and I feel
1: that way about a lot of stuff, like what Trappel he did and all that. Like I feel like I'm cool. That everybody having opinion, but it's like let people be with that. If that's what he on, let him be on that. You know what I'm saying? Man.
2: listen to it. bro. I had a deep thought about this the other day. I was like, you know what? I'm like as dope as social media is. I feel like social media has really drugged too many people into other people's bedroom, into their their kitchens, into their dinner talk. Table conversation like yo, you don't you don't have a right to tell me what to laugh at. No. Like how crazy is that to try to regulate somebody's laughter, right? Um, You know, I think I think if something is is done with the intention to create some type of physical harm or, or something of that nature, like that's fine to censor. But I'm like, we live in a country where you know we're fortunate to not have censorship, and if I if it's something on Man, and, and, and the whole thing is like you can easily turn the station if you're not rocking with it. You know what I'm saying? And 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 I think it's a successful, right? It's like even the the obsession with with the current president, like, bro, like I don't I don't listen to that clown because the reality is like only thing I care about is the policies, like I don't have to listen to all the rhetoric though. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to I don't have to drain myself and upset myself every time somebody says something. "Quote unquote," racist. Like I don't, I don't care about. And that's the thing. Half of those things have already been and implemented for years, right? So, so my thing is like, you know, obviously you want to pay attention to to the policies and, and know who you're voting for, but why torture yourself every day because he says something stupid? It. I mean, yeah. But I mean, I, I think I think the dopest thing about it, and and this is the thing about, you know, this country, we get spoiled so quickly. You know, when things when things first start kicking off, we're either resistant or we just get jaded too quick. But if you think about it from an artist standpoint, like this has leveled the playing field on so many different levels for so many artists, right? You know. Social media just technology, period, right? You know, you think about somebody like Issa Ray who created a show, YouTube, built up her fan base. Bam, next thing you know, she got a deal, right? It was a lot of work. She's a pioneer. She's a beast in that space. You know what I'm saying? You know? Soldier Boy is the one who, like, lit... No, seriously, though. But listen, but, it, but, but real talk, though, like, he, he took a tool... And instead of making an excuse about it He accelerated the growth of his career Created a, a, an opportunity for him to Benefit financially And like, that's legendary I don't know what episode that Josh had on the podcast But I had a discussion with Josh about this And he was saying that So Boy could have been on the trajectory
1: of Will Smith Almost definitely Let me tell you why though before
3: you say something, mm. Let me tell you why Because at one point in time Okay, when he was Soldier Boy, with the bro bands around his neck, the glasses were sold around, he was on Ellen doing that dance. And he was young, he was black, he was charismatic. I was like, there was no way that they couldn't have took him to put a show around him and kids, white, black, Asian, wherever, wouldn't have watched that show, bro. I definitely felt like, I mean, to say that Will Smith like, Will Smith was literally, if you look at the energy that they had, it was similar energy, bro. That's just all I say. It was similar energy. He could have easily been put down. I ain't going to say
1: he was a great actor. He could
3: have the TV show, went from there, it
1: could
2: have been whatever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I think, I think, I think when when you look at when he his last um, internet takeover, you know, a few months ago, and you can see the 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 natural instinct he has for marketing and publicity, he and the charisma, up. like the charisma, like he has the charm, he has the charisma, and I think if 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 that would have been capitalized on back then before he converted to want to be like a, a thug, that if he would have stayed in that lane, no, like real talk though, that that like if he'd have stayed in that lane though, it, it, it was it was an epic opportunity there. niggas get money and then they want to be thugs, they want to be gangsters, right? And, then niggas, and, the crazy and the gangsters get money, want to be normal, chill. Yeah.
3: doing that and they shut it
2: down it's like, that nigga's not stupid at all, bro. yeah and i don't I don't know what technically happened with his with this with his company um you but you know. no yeah, 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 the console thing he's putting yeah. together, but I think there were some other issues beyond somebody just shutting it down because right right, right, yeah, you can't yeah licensing. It's a licensing issues. You got a podcast? We got to do with tech and stuff, right? Yeah. So who was that about? We don't get in on this, but I just want to know because I want to get back to that. One. So yeah, we actually, so yeah. It too, <laughs> it's all good, bro. It's love. Uh, we we so yeah, we got a we got a new um uh, uh, round round the corner, yeah, right. Here. Um, yeah. So we got we got a new, po- uh, new podcast out called Hustling Tech that's dropping later this month, and it's me and my guy Ben Horowitz. Uh, Ben Horowitz is Uh, super dope, wrote a book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Got a new book coming out called What You Do Is Who You Are. Um, Super dope book, man. Yeah, he's a venture capitalist. He's uh, one of the dopest VC firms, Andreessen Horowitz. And uh, he and I are doing a podcast together where we're just interviewing like founders of tech companies, but also the people who use technology to hustle and make bread. You know what I mean? So really, you know, Ben's, Ben's vision for this is like, how do we disrupt this narrative around who has access and who doesn't and really just showing people how you can create your own access through technology and tech companies and invest in, whether it's investing, whether it's using, whether it's employment, whether it's creating a company, you know. So it's fun, man. We, we did we did our first three episodes. Um, they, they're really dope, uh, some really cool companies, uh, Wonder School, a company called Earning, and then a company called Maven. So we'll be dropping all those in the next yeah, earning is actually dope, man. Earning app is it's, it's, a, it's a, a real concept that, and it's you know, what's always dope to me is like when, when you hear a concept and then it makes all the sense in the world, right? I can, I didn't think of that. I ain't think of that because what's dope about earning is it allows you to access, because it really disrupts the, the old payment system, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go to work and you end up working for two weeks and you got to wait to get your check. But you've already earned that money, you know. So every day you're you're accruing this money that the company doesn't decide to pay you until the end of a two week cycle. Yeah. But you've already earned this money, so why shouldn't you have access to cash you already earned? Yeah. And so that's what the app is, is doing. It's dope shit. It's like, yo, I worked today, I should be able to get paid today. I've seen that. You know what I'm mean? Like, hey, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. So it's like, yo, why shouldn't you get paid? You know what I mean? Right when you earn it, you know what I'm saying. And with this
3: venture capital stuff and all this tech stuff. Nas really like opened me up to
2: that kind of stuff. That's my dude. Yeah, man. Nas was like, yeah, he was like out here with genius
3: and all this stuff. He, Nas really to his. Like I'm gonna just say this. I'm not even to talk about Nas. But, yeah. but who would have thought? Not, okay, Nas, the trajectory Nas is on. This is what we thought Nas was gonna be at. Like Nas, still he aged gracefully, still flying. Man,
1: he gave his money. And Jay Z seems to be weird. <laughs> where we met Jay Z at? Like we never
3: would have thought Jay Z would be with the Bald Harley fro walking around with like pineapples on his shirt looking crazy. <laughs> I'm just saying, shout out to J out Nas. But like I said, as far as Nas goes, I are really out
2: here and Nas probably probably gonna walk on a billion on us in a year or two. Man, Yeah. No bro bro is serious, man. You know the dopest thing about, about Nas, man, I gotta tell you this story. Um I guess if we're wrapping up, we'll probably wrap with this story. So the, the story of me and Nas, man, is, is real deep because it's really the connection between me and Ben. Mm-hmm. So when I, was, when, I was in, when I was in prison, uh, when Illmatic dropped, I used to, I didn't, I didn't know, like in prison, we didn't have like radio stations where you could find out what's the newest, what's the latest, right? But because I was a reader, I used to read the Source magazine, so I would read about, Albums, and I would go through and be like, "Okay, I like this producer, I like that producer," so I'll go and buy the tape. It was like cassettes back then, so I buy I buy uh, Illmatic, and I'm literally sitting up listening to the album, you know, because it's got all these rave reviews and it's how cinematic and you know this 17 year old kid is dropping his you know these these jewels, right? And you know, I come from the golden era. I come from Rakim and you know Karis One and like the the yeah you know Big Daddy Kane and you know and so. I'm listening to Illmatic, and I hear One Love. And I literally damn near like jump out my bunk, you know, because this is literally him writing a letter to his friend who was incarcerated. And at this time, all of my friends had abandoned me. You know what I mean? And it's something common that commonly happens happened in prison where you go to prison and people, your family, your friends, people fall off. And so when I'm listening to this, I'm like, damn, man, like this, this is a, a real ass brother. Like he cares enough about his friend where he wrote him a letter as a song. To let them know that like, yo, you haven't been forgot about, you know. And so I was super inspired uh, by the album, and I was like, I'm gonna get a tattoo with Illmatic. And um, now this is before tattooing got really dope and fancy in the joint. This was like some real crude shit. So, Lily, man, it was damn near barbaric. It was, it was barbaric, right? Lily, tape, tape player, motor, uh, uh, sewing needle. I mean, it's like slow, brutal, you know. So. I come up with this idea I'm like I'm gonna get the word illmatic, and then I'm gonna get this menacing looking dog you know bite through chains, like breaking out, you know what i mean i got I got this whole concept, right, so I go to the tattoo artist and you know, and I pay him i think um I pay him probably like seven dollars and fifty cent worth of like commissaries was ramen noodles, bars and soap and shit, yeah, like here you go, you know um, and he does this tattoo and, and i mean it's it's a it's it's fucking hack job i'm like bleeding everywhere you know we're in the fucking we're in the shoe room in the rex recreation center the shoe rooms where you can check out shoes but it was also doubled as like our fight club so whenever cats was like talking shit you know like they wanted to scrap we'd like take that shit in the shoe room if you really about that life so guys was scrapping here you know what i mean i mean if the fights used to be wild bro like i'm in one cat this is my dude he actually be on on my facebook he was fighting one time his whole sh- shoulder came out the socket uh, one time, this cat was fighting, and and we didn't know this whole time. We knew him, we didn't know he had a fake ass. So his fake eye got knocked out, they and it like listen, listen, But this was the, was the but the wildest shit though was like his eyeball was rolling across the floor, and like the guy he was fighting and everybody, we all just stopped and looking at the eyeball rolling. Like yo, this is this is this is real penitentiary shit, right? So he like time out in the middle of the fight like let me pop my joint back in and then oh, get back to it. Yeah, so 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 he I think he like tucked that joint in his pocket and kept it, kept it rocking, right? But anyway, this is where I'm getting the tattoo at. And man, this guy, this guy does a straight hack job. The dog comes out looking like a bear. The the word illmatic is 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 you can't even really even see this shit, right? But it's my favorite tattoo, bro, because just the thought like of what that song meant to me you know what i mean brought me like a sense of like okay even though my friends personally forgot about me there's people in the world that don't forget about people like me you know what i mean so fast forward um i meet ben and felicia i, I meet felicia first felicia reaches out to me i was like yo you know heard a lot about your book you know oprah was telling ben about your story and i just wanted to reach out and so when her and I was talking, she was like, you know, I really think you would love my husband. He's a big fan of hip-hop and, you know, Nas is like one of his favorite artists. And I was like, Nas, I'm like, yo, let me tell you the story. So I tell her the story about the tattoo. She's like, yo, this is crazy. So fast forward, I go to, I go to meet um, uh, Ben and Felice for dinner. And we originally supposed to meet at a restaurant, but Felice was like, let's come to the house. Now, granted, I don't even really know who these people are at this point, you know what I mean? But, you know me, I I'm always out on adventures and shit. And so I I rolled up to the house, which isn't a house. It's it's, it's some different level shit. Uh, So I'm like, okay, this is what what we're doing right now, right? So I roll in, and Ben's still working. But we ended up chopping it up, and I ended up telling him a story uh, about the tattoo. And he literally called Nas. It was like, yo, Nas, like I'm sitting here with this brother, Shaka. Like, you know, he just told me the most moving story about your song, One Love. Put me on the phone with Nas. We chop it up. Fast forward. Months later, I meet Nas at, at, you know, at a barbecue uh, at their home. You know, we chop it up. It's still kind of, you know, we, you know, I'm just, hey, brother, you know. And, and it was, what's so interesting about it, to me, that's been so dope, is like, as a man, to be able to say to another man, you inspire me, and that your music salvaged a part of my life at a time when I needed it, why he's still alive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And not, and not on no fake fuck shit. Just like on some real grown, like I'm a grown man. I want to honor you as a brother because I appreciate what your music meant in my life at the time when I needed it the most, right? And then for him to be able to receive that, you know, as, as a man, you know? And so we went from that, you know, we, we, we met then uh, one of my birthday weekends. Uh, we were celebrating my birthday. It was like this full, crazy-ass weekend. And we go pick Nas up on a bus To take him to the concert. And bro, it's the littest shit ever. Because we like, we already drunk by this time. We pick him up. And when we roll up, he is cracking up. He like, yo, ain't nobody picked me up like this since like 96. Yo, like this is the wildest shit, right? But dig on the bus. Five Five Freddy. Quincy Jones. QD3. Nas. And then just, you know, us and the crew. Me, Ben, Jules, Cartoon, the whole like the fam, right? This is our bus ride to the concert, and then we standing on stage, like Lily, I'm on stage watching Nas do "One Love." You know what I mean? Uh, and so it goes from that to just us casually seeing each other from time to time, and then you know it just became brother like. You know what I mean? Like I hit a spot. Y'all should hit a spot where y'all are hit too. Sweet chick, um, definitely should go. Yeah, let's go grab that. Um, yeah, go go over there and break bread for sure. So. Um, but like Lily just a few weeks ago we hung out before before a concert man we hung out for hours man just sipping and 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 talking about life man and, and just you know you know we randomly inbox each other bro you read this book you know what i mean so it's like the, it's like the, it's building like real men you know um but so so it's those moments in my life now man that i'm i'm at a space of like appreciating like what that that full circle moment you know um, and actually, the new the new show I'm working on, the one man show that I'm doing, is called One Love Letters from Solitary. It's my journey as a writer, and I'm just taking people through that whole cycle. And I end the I end the piece with me actually writing a letter to one of my guys in the joint, and breaking down how I don't want the brothers to be so fixated on these snapshots of my life. I want them to understand the fullness of it, right? Like it's all my shit is all type of complicated. You know what I mean? Like. Like I went and got interviewed by Oprah and then got pulled over by the police in Snooker's parking lot over the week I come home from that shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's still real out here, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it ain't even just that I'm not perfect. It's just that even when people perceive that you've made it, like, I still have to, every time I get an apartment, I got to put on that bitch I'm convicted of a felony. I have to show these people. I be having to have these niggas Google me. You know what I mean? Because, like, I still got to put on I'm convicted of a felony. And they're like... Not only to say, have you ever been convicted of a felony, what have you been convicted of? And I put second-degree murder. But yeah. well, when you put <clears throat> in the and Gail and, and then like, nah. But yeah, I mean, if you look at that, though, but if you, if you look at it on paper, you're like, this nigga lying. This nigga trying to kill somebody for real. This nigga got all these bullshit references. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like you have to go through that whole thing of, of, of really constantly fighting to prove yourself. You know, and, like, that shit don't stop, you know? So it don't stop because you get a few checks, you know what I mean? Or it's always going to be there until we change this shit. So that's why I keep pushing the narrative forward. And it's why I go so hard to keep winning because I'm like, the more I win, the harder it is for people to say that it's okay to throw human beings away. Like, I'm that dude that motherfuckers would have been like, oh, you should have never got out of prison. You know what I'm saying? I've had people say that shit to me, you know what I mean? And, you know, I've done shit where... If you, have, if, you have, if you would have just stopped at 19 years old and been like, okay, this motherfucker will never amount to anything. You know what I'm saying? Even if you would have stopped at 27, well, I went to solitary confinement. And like threw my life away, Like I would have never accomplished none of these things I've accomplished. And not just for myself. Like, what I've done has helped shift the culture around criminal justice and how people see incarcerated people. You know what I mean? How... Absolutely, we change the game, bro. Like it's, it's it's for real, you know what I mean. And so, you know, when I when I look at that, it's like whatever I can do to keep forcing people to have a conversation. Like I'm I'm not I'm not letting my foot up, you know what I'm saying. It's like I'm going hard, and I'm gonna keep on winning because I know it's brothers that's as dope as me, sisters as dope as me, or doper than me that's in prisons that we're trying to throw away. I was in the 13th, yeah, with Ava. Shout out to Ava. Yeah, that's, my, that's my girl, man. Yeah. I worked on the Meat Meals campaign, though. Like, I, I helped structure the still uh, Free Meat Meals campaign. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of this shit, like, you know, I don't, I don't, like, toot my horn about it, but a lot of the language that you hear, you know, we need to humanize men and women. Like, that shit came from me. You know, my worst deeds, people shouldn't be defined by their worst deeds. It's the name of my TED talk, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's you know, the the whole PTSD about incarceration. So, and I, and not just me, but like a lot of dope brothers and sisters who've been doing this shit before it became popular, you know what I'm saying? Before, you know, it, it became, you know, celebrity driven. And I think it's great that we got, like, dope celebrities that are stepping up, you know what I'm saying? Some of them on some bullshit, but the ones who are sincere, like, they've been extremely helpful, you know what I mean? Like, Kim, people can say what the fuck they want about Kim, man, but... Kim K is a, is a, is a real-ass gangster, man, with this shit. Like, she's smart as hell. Like, she's willing to learn. She put herself around people to, to help ensure that she's on the right pathway. You know what I mean? Doing it right. Um, my guy Scott Budnick, you know, who, who made The Hangover. They got the new film coming out, Just Mercy. Beast, man. Like, like he, he, he's, he's, a, he's a legend, man, in, in terms of, like, helping people turn their lives around. So it's incredible people in the space who's doing the work, but um, I just wanted to contribute it from the perspective of like, I didn't have to start, none of these people had. You know what I mean, I came fresh out the joint, but the thing is, I was doing this work while I was in the joint, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, you think about somebody like my guy, Yusuf, like, we was doing this shit in the penitentiary. Like, we was going to war with, with the administration, we was going to war with it's other sad. groups in the joint, yeah. Like, seriously. Like yeah. That quasi jesse man i'm talking about bro it's so many like i mean you know what i do now bro is a reflection of the men that i was raised around and the men i was raised by you know like like the like the old heads man they used to challenge me i used to i used to go check out books and they used to think i used to be reading the books cuz i you know i was a quick reader i bring them back and man we'd be in that motherfucker debating black history philosophy culture political science and i'm in that mug in beast mode you know what i'm saying i'm like you know, and they was they was like, man, you read, leave, you're going to be razor sharp, you know, because we're going to keep pushing the envelope. We're going to keep challenging you to grow, you know. And I wasn't looking at it like, you know, initially I started off like a lot of the young cats, like, man, oh head, I don't want to hear that shit. You know what I'm saying? But they was blessing me with, like, jewels, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, here, read this book. You know, they, and they started me with Donald Goins, you know what I'm saying? Hit me with the Donald Goins. Next thing you know, I'm reading Malcolm, you know what I mean? Next thing you know, I'm reading Plato, Socrates, and you know in 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 France Finland, and you know what I mean, I'm reading all the joints, you know what I mean, I mean, I got a dope ass shelf right there for you bro yeah i'm I'm a beast man that's the best that's the best just if you're a single bachelor dating, the best thing you can have in your house, bunch of books, man, sisters love books, yeah, have books and candles yo books and candles, man you saying that's it. Come on, bro, you asked too many questions. <laughs> yeah, I gotta keep I ain't gonna hold you up, man. I appreciate you. I ain't gonna come back with you this long and take Oh man, bro. No, I, I mean I honestly, man, it's a, it's an honor for me. You know what I mean? And it's important it's an honor for me. But it's also uh, important for me, you know, uh being being a big bro, um, and 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 to always accommodate my people who trying to make shit happen. Uh, to figure out ways to support each other. You know, like I say, I tell the brothers and sisters all the time, like, I haven't made it, but I'm making it, and I'm resourceful, and however I can help, you know what I'm saying, whenever anybody in L.A., I just try to break bread with them, even if it's just chopping it up, coming through, drinking, sipping, you know, I drink tequila, mezcal, you know, that's my thing, you know what I mean, breaking bread. Like, I'm going to do that, man, because I I genuinely genuinely love y'all brothers for one, you know what I'm saying, Uh, but more importantly, like, I respect you know, people that go for their dreams, you know what I'm saying? And go make shit happen. And how I can support that man, you already know I'm down to rock with y'all. Fact, bro. I appreciate you man coming to with on location in LA. Location with this dope ass views. Oh man, I I mean just hit me up on social man. I always got something going. I got a new a few new shows coming up, man. So I'm just working right now. I always cop that book right my wrongs, though, because that's, that's the, you know. The, 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 absolutely. Keep going to get that. And your social? Shaka Senghor on everything. That's S-H-A-K-A-S-E-N-G-H-O-R. Across all platforms.
0: Remember to like. october 24th through october 27th at the andy arts 3000 finkel avenue detroit michigan at the inaugural detroit is different festival the collage of sound sight taste feel and scent of detroit from all walks of life join piper carter frida Sampson, unicorns are real josh adams the new kids group text jennifer crawford Hair, Michigan, Audra Carson, My Natural Hair, Cornbread and Caviar, Kari Fraser, Sterling Tolls, Poldi James, and more artists. The Detroit is Different Festival provides you the rare opportunity to witness, experience, and familiarize yourself with the diverse subcultures that make Detroit different. Experience this all for 50 bucks. Visit www.detroitisdifferent.com and get your tickets today.